Welcome everybody to the Perfectly Blended Podcast. On today's episode, we have another amazing, amazing interview. And guess when that's coming up? Right now. Thank you so much for joining us on the Perfectly Blended Podcast. This podcast is for blended families, for couples that want to strengthen their marriage and want a brighter future. Perfectly Blended exists to break the stigma of divorce, drop the shame and guilt holding you back and equip marriages to thrive instead of just survive. We believe all that is possible in this life is based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. What is up, everybody? Welcome to today's show. Hey, we have an amazing, amazing uh, interview with somebody today. Her name is Debbie Osborne, and we're going to tell you a little bit about her. But before that, do you have anything that's on your mind you want to talk about? No. All right. Let's, Not today. Let's dive right in. Okay. She has never had biological children, but through foster parenting and step parenting, she's collected seven children and 10 grandchildren. A social mm. worker turned lawyer. She enjoys sharing the lessons her children have taught her about how to be the person who is not supposed to be in their lives. She has appeared on numerous podcasts, radio shows, and television broadcasts. She is a frequent requested speaker for foster parent associations, camping programs, child care center associations, private school conferences, and child service organizations. She's written a book it's called Raising Other People's Children, What Foster Parenting Taught Me About Bringing Together a Blended Family. Mm. And we are so excited to bring on Debbie. I like that she says that she has... Uh, what is it? Career ADD. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> but in a good way, right? It's yeah. always compiled yes. into a much better yes. way. So uh, without further ado, let's bring on Debbie. Okay, everybody, we'd like to welcome, personally welcome Debbie to the show. Debbie, welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we want to kind of jump right in. Uh, usually how we start off our interviews is we want to let our audience, because they may not know who you are, we want to kind of give them a snapshot a little bit about who you are personally. Okay. Well, I'm a um, social worker turned lawyer. I, I have career ADD, so I've <laughs> done a lot in my, a uh, lot of different things in my law practice. And the, um, what, I've, what I've ended up doing for the past um, uh, 20 years is working with youth serving organizations. It sort of overlaps with my um, personal life and my personal passion for helping at-risk kids. And so in my law practice, I just work with organizations that do that. Yeah, That's I awesome. love that. I love that. So I've read a little bit about um, maybe some stepkids, maybe some foster kids. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Well, I, when I was, a, I, like I said, I started out as a social worker when I got out of college. Um, I, I burned out. Uh, I just, I got tired of dipping out the ocean with a teaspoon. Mm. And so I retreated to law school, but I stayed involved and, and kept the passion for working with kids. And so when I, when I finally settled down to a job that, that I figured I was going to be at long enough, actually, that was um, my stint. The most fun I've ever had being a lawyer was my stint as a federal prosecutor. And so I was in Western North Carolina um, and working with, with a I was a trial lawyer, so I had to go out of town a lot. But when I was in the office, I had a, a, a fairly regular schedule. So I signed up with a foster care agency 
there. And um, actually, I'd done some work before in, in a previous job in Virginia as a, a, a volunteer emergency foster care parent. So I would keep kids a week, a weekend, that sort of thing. But then when I got to North Carolina, I signed up with an agency as a long-term foster parent. I worked with them um, originally as a respite care parent, um, being a, a resource for, for the long-term placements, and then um, gradually moved into a long-term placement of my own. That job um, ended. Uh, my, my two girls, um, they lived with me at different times. They were not related to each other, but, but their family. They had aged out and were in college and, and doing their own thing. And so it was just a lot of things. My mom got sick. My brother and sister were raising children without my advice um, for <laughs> a lot of reasons. It, it was time for me to come back home to Georgia. And so I, I moved um, into private practice. That was when I started the um, working with concentrating on youth organizations. And um, during that course of moving back home, I, I met and fell in love with a man who um, has five kids. Um, at the time we married, only two of them were still at home. The, mm. the three adult kids, we, we call them the big kids. Um, they um, were out on their own by then, but I um, became a step parent um, after being a single foster parent. Wow. So. so you went to college originally out of high school to be a social worker, right? Uh, well, uh, actually, I was going to be a psychiatrist, but then okay. I, hit, I, I hit organic chemistry in my sophomore year of college and um, felt God calling me to a completely different major. And so I switched to um, speech education and that okay. that education degree is what got me into social work. Okay. Yeah. So what, what do you feel originally? I know that you got burned out from it. You know, I like the, you know, dipping out of the ocean with a teaspoon analogy, but what made you go into social work initially? Like what drew you to that? Well, a, a good chunk of it was, uh, see, I grew up with my parents being very active in youth organizations in our church. Okay. Um, um, my dad had a summer camp um, where kids would come once a year um, from various churches, and, and I helped him work with that. My sister and, and brother and I helped mom and dad um, with that camp. And so we, we just grew up with um, working with what were then called at-risk kids, problem kids, kids from dysfunctional families. And so it, it was just sort of a natural progression. Um, I, I was an education major. Um, I was a speech major. I did a lot of intercollegiate speech competition and a lot of public speaking and debate and that sort of thing. And just, just loved arguing, um, mm -hmm. which is probably why I, when I got burned out as a social worker, um, law was the next logical place yeah. for me to go. Um, but the education component, I, I did my student teaching and I worked in a Christian school for, for a semester and realized that my group skills were not as good as my one-on-one -on -one skills. <laughs> so that was, um, I left, like I said, did I mention I have career ADD? So I, I left teaching and went into social work where I could work with kids with their issues um, one at a time. Back then, you didn't have to have a um, degree in um, social work. 
Okay. Um, there was no such thing as licensing. And, and actually, technically, my job was I was a probation officer with the juvenile court. So it, it also didn't require a social work degree. Um, we viewed it as more social work, but it was um, just supervising kids who were put on probation with the juvenile court for one reason or another. There was a lot of overlap between that and having to work with child welfare system. You know, I got a lot of kids who were, um, they were the presenting problem, but the real problem was what was going on at home. So we, we had to do a lot of um, work along with child welfare with, with the cases that I had. So you mentioned that you grew up and your father had a camp. Was this a faith led or faith-based camp? Yes, it, it was a Christian camp. Um, we had, uh, we worked with a lot of churches that sent their kids to the camp. It was not a, a, a summer, a, an all summer camp. It was a lot of smaller churches that were looking for somewhere to send their kids. And um, we were local and um, dad would, would rent the camp for a week or two. I think we had two weeks during the summer. Mm-hmm. And um, just it was one of those camps that uh, people go back to year after year after year. Um, we we had started going to one of those camps and a lot of my friends came and worked as staff at our camp for the two weeks. And it was uh, it, it was a, a local ministry for a lot of local churches. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. So from our perspective, from this side of the camera, at least from mine, you know, you see someone that gets raised up in faith and then you spend the rest of your life serving in such a way that's so difficult. And and I say this by saying you went into social work. That's the spoon out of the ocean. You become a foster parent. That is very hard. I've, I, we have not done it, but we know you, we know, and I know, you know, way better than we do how difficult that can be. And then to then go into being a step parent, you know? So it's like, can I just take every challenging moment that I can from here on out, you know, but our faith really teaches us how to serve at the highest level, you know, and to put forth, you know, ourselves and allow God to, to, to push through with that. So uh, it's amazing to see this. Well, it it does. And um, every step that God has led me, he, he put me in a situation, um, sometimes kicking and screaming, in a situation where I was learning the skills I needed to learn. So uh, the the analogy I use right now, I I represent a lot of youth organizations and and I often am going into depositions or trial with with um, folks who, you know, they they're they're kind, nice people because they work with kids or or they they work with um, teenagers and you know they're they're youth serving organizations and and i often have them they say to me how how can you do this all day and and my response to them is look this being in court and doing depositions this is what i do if you want to see me panic put me in a room full of two-year-olds and tell me to keep them healthy until their parents come pick them up in eight hours (laughs) that that is when i panic (laughs) But teenagers, I've had, I, I, I tell my friends, call me when you have teens, because I have had all of the conversations um, from who is this strange man in my house at midnight to no, I'm not bailing you out of jail tonight. We will talk tomorrow. So I, teenagers, I understand, but yeah. it's because God just put me 
in in different situations and and he stretched my boundaries um, and my abilities and my skill set being a foster parent um, has has been the without a doubt the most challenging thing I've ever done and it's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done it transformed me in ways that I I wouldn't change the experiences and I wouldn't go back to who I was even though it was difficult and challenging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that actually probably made it easier. I'm speaking from being a stepmom. It probably made you made it easier for you to be a stepmom since oh, you yeah. were already a foster mom and you had already right. dealt with a lot of those things. In- well, yeah. Yeah, yeah go yeah, ahead. Exactly. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I understood coming in from, from the stepkids' point of view because I had learned it with my foster kids. Um, that I'm not the person who's supposed to be there in their lives. And no matter how much those kids love me, no matter how good their relationship is, um, they would still rather their parents be together. Mm -hmm. Um, And we actually, um, I I talk about this in various times. At at one point after I married my husband, his ex-wife asked for custody. um, And let me just say it's the only time in my life anyone has ever punched my lawyer button and my protect your family button at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I, I am not a good client. I, I really am a terrible client. I discovered, but it, my husband and I were, were talking to our youngest son and trying to figure out what his opinion was. And, and he of course was not going to say anything that sounded like he was taking sides and we didn't want him to take sides. We just didn't want to chase down a rabbit hole with, with a lot of resources if it was something he didn't want to happen. And my husband finally said, well, let let me phrase it to you this way. If you had a magic wand, what would your life look like? And, and he was 13, I think at the time he didn't hesitate. He just said, well, if I had a magic wand, dad, you and mom would be back together. And, and then there was this long pause and he looked over at me and said, I, no insult, Debbie, you and the dogs would be right next door. And, <laughs> so, and, and, you know, by then I didn't get my feelings hurt. Right. Um, and understand, he and I had bonded. We had a strong relationship and we did adore each other and we still do adore each other. But I understood it. It was because yeah. there was something out of kilter in his life. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean, so you've you've done a lot of fostering, and so how do you think you know? Because our our target uh, people that watch our our show or listen to our show is blended families. So, you know, you learned a lot over the years about uh, you know children suffering with trauma. What, what type of oh, yeah. advice do you think that you could really offer? Maybe a step family is coming together, like a stepdad like me, and I, I'm marrying into. Like Christie's family, maybe her, one of her children are suffered with trauma. Like, what do you? What type of advice could you give them? Well, let me just say, uh, we we tend to overlook the fact that if children have lost their nuclear family through divorce or death, and, and let's face it, you're only coming into that family because they have lost parents to divorce or death. Right. Either one of those is traumatic. We tend to try to normalize divorce and yeah. say that kids are resilient and everything will be okay. And it may not be the complex trauma that you, that I got with my foster kids, but it is still trauma. And yeah. and all of the studies show that, that kids, children of divorce 
they have they just have a steeper mountain to climb yeah uh, and so i the it, it it may not be what we think of as trauma but they have been through traumatic times so i would say first of all um the the rules that they're very similar between foster parenting and step parenting is number one you're not the person who's supposed to be there um you never will be yeah um, and and that's okay yeah you know um, our role is, uh, there's a reason that all the fairy tales, I used to joke with my kids about, I, I know how to be a step mother because I've read Cinderella and Snow White and Hansel and Gretel. I've, I've read all the manuals for being a stepmother. Um, but there's a reason that all of those fairy tales um, treat the stepmother as the villain. You know, it, every story has to have a villain. Yeah. And when kids put their narratives together um, because we're storytelling animals. We yeah. tell each other our stories and we think of our lives in terms of stories and our kids do the same thing. Um, but, you know, they're always the hero of the story yeah. and, and the stories have a lot of different characters, but all stories have the hero and the villain and the mentor. And our goal with kids as step parents is to be the mentor instead of the villain. Mm. Um, and and sometimes kids won't let us do that. They, they have to have a villain and it's not going to be their biological parents. True. Um, and, and we just have to understand that. I mean, from an adult perspective, of course we're a heck of a lot better <laughs> than their biological parents, right. you know? Um, my husband's much happier with me than he was with his ex-wife by definition, because I'm, I'm here, right? Um, but, but, but the villain is not going to be the biological parents. It's just not how kids are wired. So our goal is to be the mentor in their lives and, and not a substitute parent. Yeah. I love that. So what would you say would be the most important thing that you learned as a step parent? You kind of went into your new marriage already knowing like you are already from fostering, like the kids weren't going to be want you there. You know, you already knew you were the right. person that wasn't supposed to be there, but you actually hadn't actually been a step parent before. So what was the one thing that you would say that you learned after becoming a step parent? Um, the, the one thing I learned was to let the biological parent, i.e. my husband, take the lead. Mm, yeah. And that that was hard for me, partly because of my personality, partly because I had been a foster parent. Um, but, you know, as a foster parent, I, I had custody. And yeah. um, there was the only person to second guess me was the caseworker. Um, and when I became a, a when I became part of a couple, in some ways it was easier because I had an extra pair of hands to help me with things. But in other ways it was much more difficult because I, you know, this, this wonderful, kind, considerate, reasonable man that I had married didn't always agree with me. Hmm. And it took a bit to process that, you know, I knew what I was doing. What, what was going on here? Why, why did he have a different opinion? And I learned I had to let him take the lead. And, and um, like I said, it's very hard for me. I never learned how to dance because I always tried to lead. <laughs> so I had to just, that was the hardest lesson, was to keep my mouth shut and mm -hmm. just stand and watch. Um, 
Now, now, obviously, if there's safety issues or those kind of issues, then then obviously I would step in and, and take care of things. Uh, but yeah, the vast majority of step families, this is not a, a physical or emotional safety issue. It's just a sit and keep your mouth shut and, right. and be a resource. Um, and, you know, I let both sides come and vent to me and don't take sides and and this was the other thing that, that I learned. We, at, at one point, one of my former foster daughters had a really bad patch and we inherited her daughter. So I think that probably the toughest five years of, of my and my husband's marriage was when we were um, raising that child to adulthood. And um, I just had to learn to say to the two of them, your relationship is you have to work on it. I cannot fix it. I am not getting in the middle and um, because I'm a fixer and I I have solutions and I, and if people will just listen to me, I can fix their problems. (laughs) (laughs) We know all about that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, So I think that was the, the, the biggest lesson that I had to learn that I, that as a single foster parent, I never had to worry about. Yeah. That's good. Well, Debbie, you know, as we wrap up today, you know, we just want to really thank you so much for your wisdom and your, you know, taking the time out of your day to, to share with our audience, uh, you know, the things that you've experienced. And, uh, you know, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about if they wanted to get in contact with you, what yeah. would be the best way to do that? Okay. Well, I, um, the, probably the easiest place to find me because um, we spell our name, my, my last name funny. So um, the, my, my book that I wrote is called Raising Other People's Children, and you can um, read about that at raisingotherpeopleschildren.com. Okay. And then I blog about all of these issues on my website, and you can reach the blog directly at raisingotherpeopleschildren.blog. Oh, cool. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll make sure to put everything down in the show notes, too, and links. So okay. if anybody wants to get a hold of you, they have all the access to that. So uh, we want to truly thank you so much for your time. And we really appreciate you being part of our show. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I, I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. What an amazing, amazing interview we had with Debbie. You know what? She has such a lifelong full of experience of all kinds of stuff that has to do yeah. with kids. You know, and it's just was amazing to hear about her transition in career and her transition from helping foster kids into step kids. So we really, really pray that you found some value in Debbie and make sure you reach out to her. You know, be down in the show notes. You can reach out to her, check out everything she has. She has an amazing blog and her book as well. She has had a full life. Yeah. I, I love hearing about people's full lives. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. And it's just a blessing when we're able to connect with other people that have been through so many things that can, you know, shed light and experience and wisdom on stuff that can help us and hopefully help you as well. So I want to thank you so much for being here and we look forward to seeing you next Tuesday at seven. Bye.